Welcome to another episode of Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I'm Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As regular listeners will know at this point, we release three different types of podcasts. There's our seminar series where we provide the opportunity to listen back to some of the most important presentations we've had at past events. There's our 10-minute lesson series where we aim to educate and inform listeners on particular areas of policy, giving a brief overview somewhere in the range of 8 to 15 minutes and just hitting on the key points that people need to know. Then there's our interview series where we chat to experts on a range of policy areas. This week it's one of those. Today, the 15th of September, is the United Nations International Day of Democracy. The United Nations states that this is a day which provides an opportunity to review the state of democracy in the world. Democracy is as much a process as a goal, and only with the full participation of and support by the international community, national governing bodies, civil society and individuals can the ideal of democracy be made into a reality to be enjoyed by everyone, everywhere. The values of freedom, respect for human rights and the principle of holding periodic and genuine elections by universal suffrage are essential elements of democracy. In turn, democracy provides the natural environment for the protection and effective realisation of human rights. So fittingly, my conversation is with Paul Gordon. He's the Director of Policy and Advocacy with the National Youth Council of Ireland, and we're going to talk about the Vote at 16 campaign. We hope you enjoy it. As always, the first thing to do is to say thank you very much for your time. Paul, I really appreciate it. Could you just give us a little bit of background on what the National Youth Council of Ireland is and does? We might start there. Sure. So the National Youth Council of Ireland's 55 years in existence and it's a representative body for uh, youth work organisations in Ireland and other bodies that represent younger people. So, you know, it includes the likes of Faroiga, uh, Youth Work Ireland, Union of Students of Ireland, the Irish Second Level Students Union. So it's it's quite a diverse group of members and the MICI is the wider umbrella body that I suppose works to not only advocate on issues that affect young people and um, organizations that deliver youth work, but also deliver good good practice in youth work across a variety of areas, be that quality and intercultural training, uh, work on, on sustainable development goals, um, health and well-being. So there's a variety of programs that we that we run that help develop good practice in youth work as well. So it's quite a diverse, diverse um, range of programs we provide. And obviously we advocate on particular issues around, around youth work, as I said. I suppose it's that advocacy piece that we're gonna chat about today, the Vote at 16 campaign. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? 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 Why should we let 16 year olds have the vote? Uh, well, I think there's a variety of reasons, but I think what we've seen in, in recent years in particular is young people have really been to the forefront in, in not only supporting, but leading and driving campaigns that have brought about change and also changed public and political attitudes, be it the Fridays for Future movement, recent referendums in Ireland, um, and many of the people involved, they've, they've been leading campaigns, they've been driving campaigns and they've been actively involved, but they don't actually have the opportunity to have a say themselves. Many of these people would be in work. They would be paying tax. They're at an age where they are free to leave school, should they so wish. Or those that are in school are, are have, have participated mostly in civic, social and political education. And many of them will be doing politics and society on the leaving cert. And 
they have an opportunity to really learn and understand and educate themselves about politics and, and our democracy, but they don't actually have the opportunity to put that into practice. So those are, I suppose, a couple of the reasons why we really feel strongly about this campaign. Um, we've been advocating for change in this respect since 2009, along with other organisations like the Children's Rights Alliance and the Irish Second Level Students' Union. And it's something that I suppose has been frustrating for some, but what I suppose is, is kind of inspiring and interesting about the campaign is that many of those people who might have been advocating for this when they were 16 and 17 themselves are still advocating for it now. They haven't forgotten about the issue because I, I think the people who feel really strongly about this believe that it is a change that needs to take place. And it's something that I, I don't think they, they've easily forgotten about. And that's something that I think has really ensured that it's more so than than the efforts of, of broader organisations is the people that that um, feel so passionately about it and that have worked on it for, for, for such a long time. And I think that's that that will be pivotal to ensuring that it does happen. And I think we've seen that in other countries where it has happened. That's a key thing, really, is it? That like suffrage has increased across the years so when you think back to it was only men it was only men who had property it was only men of a certain age and then you you broaden it out so at the moment everybody here over the age of 18 can vote i know under 18 you're considered a child here but at the same time when you go onto the website and see well what can you do at certain ages it's quite mm. extraordinary the types of things that you can do before you're 18 if it's about shaping the society that you want to live in yeah i think we talk a lot about about things like age of majority and you know whether someone can drink or smoke at a particular age and well why should they vote uh, and i find it kind of an unusual argument because in effect extending the vote to 16 and 17 year olds is is a very positive right is a positive development it's um, it's empowering people to do something and to have a say in their democracy and to have a stake in their democracy whereas you know talking about people being able to smoke or drink at 18 i think it's a little bit of a red herring because they're they're they're, they're almost neg negative rights in a way and that you get to a certain age and you're expected that you can you can make your own decisions in this respect but it's something that's actually quite harmful to health. Um, so whereas this is this is more of a, I suppose, a, having a stake in, in, in wider society. So it's 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 I find it slightly unusual, but I, I do understand where that starting point is around around those particular rights. But when we look at it further, as you say, there are rights that you have at 16. And I think one of the the important things to to I suppose remember is that those at 16 and 17 they can work full time they're they're liable to pay tax so they're they're the one sector of society that is liable for taxation but has no representation and i think that's a very important thing thing to remember and i think that's you know a foundation of of most democracies is that if you are paying tax you you are represented i think going back to your your first point i mean this would be a natural progression of the evolution of democracy until the 70s in most European countries, people under 21 couldn't vote. In in the, the start in the UK in, in 69, in here we had a referendum in 72 to do that. And I, I think as times change, our democracy also needs to change. And I think there there is a, a movement behind this and I think there is support behind it. And I think we probably, there is a view that, oh, well, it would benefit certain political parties if, if 16 and 17 year olds were able to vote or that they'd all be voting for 
you know, fringe parties. And that just doesn't hold. The evidence from other countries shows that 16 and 17 year olds generally vote in a, in a very similar way to their counterparts aged 18, 19, 20. And even if you look at the statistics from the 2020 general election here, the 18 to 24 group votes in a very similar way to the 25 to 34 group. So uh, it's it's not something that will in any way upend or, or distort democracy. It will merely extend it and extend the right to more people and, and to many people who really are crying out for more of a say in their society because we see in Ireland, thankfully, there's, there's a growing youth population and many of those people want to hear, hear to have their voice heard. But there are demographic divides in many um, in many countries in Europe, in, in the wider Western world, where there's greater participation in, in older age groups. And that, that can actually distort power, in a sense, because decisions are then made based on those who have voted, who are in those older age groups. And I think younger people are overlooked. And the way to redress that is to not only extend the franchise to 16 and 17 year olds, but empower um, those who are already entitled to vote, to vote uh, and to ensure that is, there is greater democratic and political education. I think that's a really interesting point because that is what the stats show is that it's older people who vote. And as you said, is it going to be a case of, well, my dad, my mum and dad vote for X party, so therefore I will. But if it's issue based, then the age piece is really important. So if you look at a political party or somebody who's standing for election, what's their view on pensions? What's their view on housing? What's their view on health? And there will be different concerns, I suppose. So somebody who's in the 55 and upwards bracket is voting for a candidate who's going to deliver on different things, I suppose, than somebody who's 16. Well, I suppose in a democracy, it's it's one man, one vote. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what ultimately translates into what's important in any given programme for government at a, at, a, at a time that forms the basis of how a government acts, but also how an opposition responds to uh, the people that voted for it. Uh, and I think, you know, the background in the sense of that is ensuring that we have a generation of people who are educated and who, I suppose, have... It's it's habit forming voting in a sense, and that if if people are voting at a younger age, they will participate more in politics. There may be a bit of a, a disconnect that some people do feel to the democratic system if they're younger, and I think it's it's maybe more on the political system to come and meet those people than to necessarily be afraid that they're going to certainly upend democracy or they're going to vote for any range of bonkers parties. You know, it's, it's, it's coming to meet those people and understand their issues and viewing it as an opportunity rather than a, as a threat. Uh, and I suppose that's where some of the discussion, I think, about younger people, extending the vote to people aged 16 and 17 is framed in the context that, oh, well, the established parties. So in this case, people are usually talking about Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Uh, they they don't want young people to vote because they don't care about their issues. And I, I don't think that's a fair assessment. You know, we have Malcolm Byrne and the Shan, Fianna Fáil Shander, who's, who's brought a bill on this, the likes of Neil Richmond, have openly supported it. And I think people like that understand that there's, there's opportunities there. They have p- large political youth wings in their parties. Uh, they see the benefits 
of younger participation. We've seen that in, in, in Scotland, even um, with the extension of both people aged 16 and 17 there. There was a wider conversation in the UK in recent years about this. The uh, Conservatives in, in England would have been quite opposed to any moves in that respect, but there was a cohort of Scottish Conservatives who were actually very favourably disposed to the idea of extending the franchise to 16 and 17 year olds across the UK because they'd seen the positive benefit that it had had in Scotland, the huge participation rates after the first um, election when that was introduced there. So I think we probably think about it with a narrow lens sometimes. And, and I think there's opportunities if we're, if we're talking about pure pure politics and pure numbers in terms of parties, which is which is how political parties also think is that you know that, that that it is an opportunity for for all political parties and they can see that through youth wings and that, that I suppose that that is I suppose one other point in favor of, of extending the vote to 16 and 17 year olds most established large political parties nearly all political parties have a youth wing um, and it's usually from around 16 and up towards depending on depending on the depending on the party up to 29 30 in some cases 35 so they obviously many do want to foster that that youth engagement and I think it really is a, an opportunity politically rather than than a threat, along with the benefits that it will bring to young people in terms of participation and, and hopefully that lifelong participation that it can foster. I'm going to go back then to on the website, there's nine good reasons to have the vote at 16, because I suppose you've touched on some of them already, just in that little piece. But if I just run down through them, the first one is to generate greater interest. And I presume that that would be greater interest politically for those cohorts of 16 and 17 year olds, but also, as you said, the political parties that they now need to come and meet these young people and say, well, what are your concerns? What are the issues that affect you? Is that what's meant by generate greater interest? Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it is a bit of both. Uh, and I think in terms of generating greater interest, it's certainly something that if we're to come to the fore, would really, I think there, there will be huge public and political interest around the issue. Um, you know, there's a debate to be had that I think has been going on for a long time, but there hasn't been a wider societal debate about it. It kind of rears its head now and again. But in terms of generating interest, I, I think it would certainly encourage those lifelong habits of voting. I think something that, that we're seeing that is quite positive through the electoral reform bill currently is the extension of uh, or the enabling um, those age 16 and 17 to pre-register to vote. So it is, again, that habit forming that, OK, I'm, I'm pre-registered to vote. When I turn 18, I can do this. Um, and if we're looking at 16, then it might be the year before and so on. And that it's 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 encouraging that process. And I think the Electoral Reform Commission will be particularly important in driving that. The second point then in the nine good reasons is to promote political participation. And as you said, they are engaged with it in school. Like I have a, a 15 and a bit year old in the house here. And like that, you know, we have discussions, I suppose, again, in light of the job that I do, but we have discussions about housing. We have discussions about, well, what does the Labour Party stand for? Or what does Fine Gael stand for? Or what society do we want to, to live in? So you're having those conversations in school and at home anyway. And I suppose that would the hope be that they could see how 
they can actually make an impact on that as opposed to just kind of sitting around going isn't it isn't it terrible isn't it awful somebody should do something about that that it actually allows you to do something about that I think so. It says like really interesting discussions at, at the uh, the Rogers breakfast table. <laughs> Is that every morning? Not quite. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it, it is, yeah, in a sense about uh, it is that promotion or participation. I think we we see that there are a lot of young people who naturally will gravitate towards these issues. There's more who maybe have an interest but don't necessarily feel empowered to to be be advocates or activists and then there's other people who maybe have the interest but don't necessarily want to be advocates or or, or activists and we kind of have to think about that because the the general population falls into those few subsets along with people who may be apathetic or who may you know drift and they'll vote in one election they won't vote in the next or they'll only vote in dawn elections and they won't vote in their their locals and and that happens in a democracy and we have to consider that there's a wide tranche of 16 and 17 year olds and I think we talk a lot about the activists and the advocates who have really driven campaigns and that's so important but like we they, they've also brought people along with them who aren't maybe natural advocates or activists in recent years especially if you look at social movements around marriage equality or the Fridays for Future a lot of those young people out are people who maybe not who maybe have not considered or given great consideration in the past to these issues and how they affect their future but now through conversations with their peers and through the awareness raising that has happened through those various campaigns it has meant that they're more engaged and they they want to vote they want to have a say and I think doing this and 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 extending the vote to, to 16 17 year olds and at least having the conversation will certainly ensure that more people think about it and the more young people who are talking about it I think the more momentum will be built towards it I mean when you think about it at this particular moment in time there are future ministers of education ministers of housing tarnishes and Taoiseachs who are 16 now who will eventually grow up to be involved in politics and shaping the future for the 16 year olds so when they're in their 40s and 50s the 16s that you're also coming up behind them i'm conscious then the next two points on the nine good reasons are probably quite linked and they're why not with a question mark and mature enough with an exclamation mark so is is there an argument to be had that 16 year olds you know, are most likely to be reckless and most likely to not think through their decisions or to be less informed or to be overly emotional or whatever, whatever charges you want to lay at, at their doorstep. I mean, why not? Well, I would certainly say that they're not, they're definitely not less informed. Just picking up on that, on that particular point, because they have in many cases, access to a lot more information than previous generations that went before them. They have probably a better political education than than many that went before them through the CSPE programme at Junior Cert. Many have participated in politics and society since that was introduced to the Leaving Cert um, five or six years ago. So, so I think we actually have a generation coming through now and, and that has been coming through in recent years that is better informed about the issues that affect them, that that rear their heads at election time and that cause parties to 
change their manifestos and their agenda to or, or, or tailor their issues to appeal to certain people. So I certainly don't think they're in any way less informed. I think, I mean, in terms of the difference in, in levels of maturity between 18 and 16 year olds in terms of mental capacity and for thought and development is, is not really hugely different. And I think we could probably, if we went back to 1972 and the referendum was happening to extend the vote to 18, 19 and 20 year olds, there were probably many of these same arguments thrown at people aged 18, 19 and 20. And, and I think looking back now, none of us would say, well, Jesus, the 20 year olds shouldn't vote or they're far less mature than a 20 late 16 and 17 year olds they have huge life experience I mean I was listening to, to Lynn Ruan talk about this and Senator Lynn Ruan talk about this in the Shannon recently uh, and saying that you know when she was 16 or 17 she'd taken on a lot of life responsibility and, and she had that experience that she was able to understand that most things in life are political and that you know how how you how you vote and how you act within your community has an impact on everything on everything around you and I think that's important to remember that a lot of these young people though they're young they do have huge life experience and a lot to bring to democracy as well. I think that's a really key point is that the, the personal is political so I think people confuse party political with political every single yeah. thing that happens is political and especially at a local level is there a swimming pool is there a library is there a bus is there street lighting is there green spaces all of these things are political so what you're paying VAT on the price in the supermarkets that leads you straight in then to point six which is that young people are informed and that point five it does it widens their participation number seven then is changes to the senior cycle What's meant by that? I kind of touched on it, but that was a decision a few years ago to introduce um, politics and society to the Leaving Cert curriculum. So that's something that that was a really welcome change. We see it in other European countries. Obviously, there's a, actually quite a lot of university courses around politics, uh, uh, politics and law and international relations and everything like that. And I think this was, I suppose, uh, this was like an important decision ensuring that that young people are taught about democracy and, and their political and, and democratic participation through subjects like that. And I think, you know, I kind of touched on earlier the need that, that we have this, we have a lot of young people who are learning more and more about their, about their democracy, be it through a course like Politics and Society, or be it self-taught. And they're increasingly engaged through activism, be it in person, be it online, be it through social media. And I think it's interesting that some of these people have really driven social movements in recent years but they haven't actually and they've learned about it and they understand the tenets of democracy through that but they haven't actually been given the right to experience it experience it yet and i think it's important that that is put into practice almost a part of their learning because we're always constantly learning about democracy regardless of regardless of the age we're at there's, there's always things we learn about ourselves and things we learn about democracy that inform our vote. And it doesn't make any one person's vote more important than another. It's just reflective of the variety of experience. The next one on the list then is why 16 rather than 17? 
so I suppose we did see like as I kind of as I kind of mentioned, there's a few um, responsibilities that people do take on at that age, and um, they they can leave school, they they can they can seek full time employment, they can work up to forty hours a week, they pay taxes, um, and I think it is very much going back to that taxation without representation approach. Again, many of these people they are in school studying CSPE, politics and society. It, it is that perfect time really to introduce people to to the electoral system, and I think we did see back in 2013. The Constitutional Convention actually looked at changing, looked at considering changing the voting age to 17, and, and they they agreed with the I suppose the the views of the National Youth Council that it was preferable to actually send the vote to the right to vote at 16 and 17 year olds, and we've seen that in a number of other European countries. So I think it would be very much falling in line um, with European counterparts who have already introduced the right to vote at 16 and 17 to to young people, be that in local and European elections or parliamentary elections, and that can kind of vary from country to country. That's the last one then, is that no, point nine, is that it would ensure consistency with our European counterparts, um, which you've just touched on. Has it changed? Like, what has been the experience, of, I don't know if you can talk this, of those countries that have extended the vote to 16? Has it changed anything there? Like, what has been the impact of it? So I think there's been, like, if we look, I suppose, close to ourselves at, at Scotland and Wales, what we saw in Scotland when it was introduced was huge turnout. And that was around 75% in the first election when they were able to vote in, in, in local and parliamentary elections. And I think that that kind of really demonstrated that if there is, and I think part of the reason why the turnout was so high was that there was real awareness raising around it. There was a set plan in place in terms of in terms of how people can participate there was an education program there's there's public campaigns around it, and I think that really drove the message home that this was important and it ensured that there was a high turnout and I think that there's been continued engagement in that respect in, in subsequent elections in Wales and um, in the the Senate elections so the Welsh Parliament the, the vote was extended in the past uh, couple of years so they to vote last year in the Welsh Senate elections turnout wasn't as high it was it was similar to the turn to the to the wider turnout so it was actually probably higher than you'd actually see in 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 some in some countries but some of the the reasons posited for that by people who've actually been researching it since and looking at how to better engage that young group is that one in Scotland Hollywood the Scottish Parliament is very much considered a, a primary election in Wales there's still a view that the Senate is a secondary election compared to the the UK parliamentary elections, and um, so that was one factor. But they also felt that the work ne hadn't necessarily been put into place to ensure that young people were well informed enough about how to register to vote. So that was there were varying experiences. So I think that probably is going a step ahead. But in terms of how it's implemented, it is very much about how we inform uh, and how we support young people and how we empower them to vote. Um, and I think, you know, I've mentioned already, but there's certainly positive steps for young people aged 18 and 18 now, and that with this electoral reform bill, uh, when when the electoral commission is, is established, we will see pre-registration of 16 and 17 year olds to vote. So that will certainly be a really positive step, I think. In other countries we, we have seen, you know, really positive turnout. There's been, 
good progress in recent years across Europe. Austria introduced it a number of years ago. Since then, we've seen some, obviously Ger- Germany is split into two, uh, into regions and some some regions uh, have extended the voting right to 16, 17-year-olds. The same, likewise, Malta has introduced uh, voting for local parliamentary elections. Uh, Scotland's local and parliamentary elections. Belgium have introduced the vote in European elections. Uh, and looking further afield, Brazil and Argentina have also extended the vote to 16 uh, and 17-year-olds, which are you know some of the largest democracies in, in South America as well. Um, and certainly there's not been the adverse uh, effects experience that people who might be opposed uh, to the extension of the vote would, would otherwise say. That's the key, I think, for me, is that democracy isn't to be taken for granted. And we can see in certain parts of the world, I think I'd read somewhere recently that democracies are, are on the decline and we shouldn't take the freedoms that we experience in a democracy for granted. You've touched on the Electoral Commission and the Reform Bill. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Sure. So the electoral reform, uh, it's now an act, was was passed through the, through both houses of the Oireachtas just before uh, the Dáil finished up in July. It was signed into law by the president shortly after. So um, in terms of changes as it relates to this issue, it would be uh, ensuring that, that 16 and 17 year olds are pre-registered to vote. But there's also an important research function that will be attached to that uh, new body. In debates, there were the likes of, of Senator Fintan Warfield and Senator Lynn Ruan, who have both published legislation seeking to extend uh, the vote to 16 and 17-year-olds in local and European elections here in the past. Um, we're really pushing the minister to ensure that effectively the commission was asked or, or, or requested to examine the extension of the, the experience in other countries of the extension of the right to vote to 16 and 17-year-olds. Um, so their amendments were rejected, but there was a commitment given by, by Minister Malcolm, uh, Minister State Malcolm Noonan, with he has responsibility for, for electoral reform, that he would request the Commission does uh, look at this and would make it a priority. Senator Malcolm Byrne from Fianna Fáil repeated that the senior minister in that department, Mr. O, uh, Dar- Darren O'Brien, had had given a commitment that it would be it would be a, a real priority. So I think. In terms of uh, next steps there, it's it's understanding how long it takes the commission to be established. It's working with the various representatives to ensure that it remains a priority. And I think importantly, and Minister Malcolm Noonan referenced this in, in debate in the Shannon, that it does happen before the local elections in 2024, so that it makes recommendations to the minister as to how to proceed. There is a commitment to the programme for government to examine the extension of the voting age to 17. Obviously, we'd like to see that 16, but would see anything in that respect as a, as a positive a positive uh, step on, on, on that path. Um, so that's something I suppose to look out for. We've obviously seen a bill in the Dáil as well recently that Thomas Pringle, the independent TD for, for Donegal, put down, which would have essentially called for a referendum to ensure that uh, to extend the right to 16 and 17 year olds to vote. So Minister Malcolm Noonan uh, and the government basically delayed that bill for a year on the basis that the electoral reform bill was coming through. So that's another another one to watch um, over time. And hopefully we do get some indication that, that the commission will, will certainly look at that. And I think that'll be important in, in terms of in terms of driving debate here and, and in improving 
the evidence basis and setting out the evidence for for ministers, but also for the various political parties, so that we can we can agree a step forward. And I, I, you know, I I don't want to prejudge it, but looking at the evidence, there's certainly been a really positive outcome in the countries that have introduced it so far in terms of participation. I, I think it will be important that we do get that that evidence basis and can pre- proceed from there. And I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that that will happen soon. But there's obviously a lot of work to be done by advocates like ourselves and others to ensure that that does happen quickly, because we know new commissions can take time to, to be established, to staff properly, and there may be other priorities at given time. So it's it's about ensuring that this is top of the, uh, the political agenda as well. You've mentioned next steps, and I know you've sort of touched on the reform bill and the commission and what they're up to. In terms of the actual campaign, the voted 16 campaign, are there any plans then for the rest of the year? What's the next steps for the campaign? Well, I, I think we'll be looking really, we're keenly looking to engage with the minister and the electoral commission when, when that is established. And I think that's that's the next step. We'd love to see some some progress before the next local elections, which are in local and European elections, which are in 2024. I think it's it's probably very optimistic to 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 suggest that anything will happen in, in terms of the extension of the vote at that before then. But I, we would really like to see a recommendation made from the commission and to see the report that they do come up with in advance of that. And I think that's something that we'd be really pushing to happen in the near future. But also I think about the work to be done about, I suppose, re, re-engaging and re-energizing um, both young people and youth work organizations and organizations that represent young people. And, and I think there there is, a, I suppose, a, a wider piece of work there to ensure that, that the issue remains in the public eye. So that's certainly something that we will continue to do in the in the coming in the coming months. Brilliant, and I suppose that's maybe that's the moral is that like if, if you're thinking about the issue, not to concentrate on the daft tattoo that you would have got at sixteen. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know some of us get daft tattoos when we're <laughs> twenty eight or forty six or or, or seventy one. Yeah. So um, it's that's maybe something to consider as well, and and you know, kind of like. Just along the lines of that argument, we do hear, you know, well, they're just going to vote for for fringe parties or or some sort of uh, lunatics. But that's in a sense that is democracy. There's people right across age groups who who do vote for for fringe parties. And that's something that is a natural part of democracy. And ultimately, political candidates are voted on on, I suppose, the popularity of their policies or or their personality um, be be that important to to individual voters. So usually the results at the ballot box reflect how popular fringe and you know maybe uh, fringe ideas are. And I think generally we while there's been a lot of change in Irish politics in the last decade or two, certainly there's not evidence at, at the moment to suggest that these supposedly fringe parties are are are, are coming through uh, and i think it's something that you know we do see happens right across age groups so i suppose that that is something to to really consider that in, in a democracy we 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 make a decisions sometimes based on how the person is is feeling on on the day you know i mean studies into how people vote are are, are fascinating like you know you might meet activists who will say well how could someone not know how they're voting the night before an election but a lot of people don't know how they're voting the night before an election and 
some people are maybe more informed than others, but it doesn't mean their their vote is any less worthy than others. That's the key note, isn't it, Jeremy, that every vote counts. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it useful. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your suggestions. Until next time, stay safe.